0: Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week, we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 49 with... Joseph Makos and... Joseph Beavenou.
1: This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry.
0: So, this week, we kind of have a different sort of episode... Through our past interviews, we've also had a question that we've been asking a lot of our guests, because it's something that we know is something a lot of poets think about. I think a lot of artists in general think about, but poets in particular, and that's uh, should poets be able to support themselves through poetry, or should they have some other
1: sort of job? Some sort of day job, yeah. And I think this is is an interesting question, an appropriate question to be asking now, uh... You know, in New Orleans, we have a lot of people who are out there every day busking, you know, playing musical instruments, making money on the street, selling their prints and their products and their art. So you have street artists and you have street performers of various kinds, uh, including musicians. You have other people doing other things too. And I think one of those things, there's even a kid on Royal Street who is taking camera obscuras of people and developing them on the street and giving them an original, which I think is really cool. But anyways, there are typewriter poets, and they are out there, and they're doing their thing, uh, and they're making money, and they're using poetry as a commercial thing.
0: Yeah, but I guess...
1: uh, But I'm thinking thinking about this idea. We've been thinking about this idea for a while. You know, looking at this sort of economy that we have in the quarter, because it's a microcosm, And I think we've been thinking a lot about this idea of a poet in general as a uh, as as a job or as sort of like a a, a, you know a a calling or a you know when you have like you know it's like a it's like a it's like a it's like a specific thing right like being a priest or something it's like being a poet sometimes.
0: Well, yeah, that's part of the idea. I don't want to get too much into it because I kind of want to let our our interviewers kind of speak for themselves. But I do think that's you're touching on part of it. There's this idea that art in general, and and poetry in particular, has this spiritual aspect of it or this aspect of it that can be tainted by money. But there's also this conflicting sort of idea that, well, if you're not spending all your time on your art, if you're not spending all your time on the poetry, then how good can you really be at it if you're not wow, giving your full yeah. focus to it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I agree with either of those necessarily, but I think that's kind of some of the extremes that people can get to when they think about should poets have day jobs. Definitely. And there's a number of poets out there,
1: you know, who maybe think that they're living on poetry, but I don't know if they really are. You know, I don't know if, I don't know, I, I think that there's some bold claims that people make. Uh, about living uh, on poetry and poetry
0: only, and well, and, and then philosophically, just, you never know. Even at the time period where you could work at a university, teaching essentially only creative writing as a poet and live off of that, are you really making money off of being a poet, or are you making money out of being a teacher?
1: Well, that's a good that's that's a good question. So yeah, this is but this is what I'm saying. There's there's many ways to sort of cook this stew and. I think when we look at it and we, we, we really take a look at, at what people are doing if, if they're actually living off of poetry, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step up and say that, it's, that that it's impossible, or that it's very hard and that you can do it in certain microcosms of the world, but I think that you have to there's always a racket, there's always a trade-off, there's always something else going on. And I think that that equates to a day job. Whether or not you're working uh, and doing retail, whether or not you're selling drugs, whether or not you're, uh, you know, doing side jobs, uh, or whether or not that you have money coming on a monthly basis from family. I I think
0: it's probably a good thing, ultimately. What's a good thing? That to have a job that's unrelated to poetry, because... I worry that poets where their whole life is poetry write very celipsistic poems right because well there's that there's that
1: aspect of it, and then there's the other aspect of it that's like you know if you're if you're just like living this like you know like uh, I don't know. I, I just think like so it's solipsistic because like they don't ever they because because like you're you're saying the poets like will put themselves in a place where they of privilege where they don't have to interact with the people they don't have to interact with certain types of people and certain people in ways and and that their for that their world becomes smaller.
0: The world more. becomes smaller, but also it's like it's I don't really like dealing with people that much, but that <laughs> annoyance. And that frustration is also what fuels your poetry at the same time, right? True. You know, I don't know. I mean, if you were if you were living in some beautiful garden where you had all the food and things that you needed, what kind of poetry would you be writing? You know? Would that be interesting poetry i think probably not probably not i I i've thought about this a lot and i've thought about like this idea
1: like of like oh i'm just gonna like travel all the time and you know write i think that that's good for certain points of your life but i think that there's also like you know i think there's also comes a time where you can just like you could buckle you know you buckle down and uh you know you work a job or something you
0: know but travel is an interesting example right because Yes, you think about travel, you might think about it in a romantic way, but when if you think about the writing that you've done on travel and when you're traveling or if I think of writers that I like who've done writing based on their traveling, a lot of the best part of it is not them describing the wonderful things. It's them feeling separate from the world or them feeling or the or some of the frustrations of travel, or some of the because that is wrapped up in all the pleasant parts of travel too, right? And that's maybe why travel can be okay. Travel can be okay, but I don't, if you did it, if that's all you did, I don't know, that'd be a whole different story, right? I mean, that's not usually what happens. Well, you
1: know, I think of I think of like uh, our buddy uh, our buddy from New York, Chris Fritton, you know, from Buffalo, who's who's got this you know this cool kind of like you know itinerant printer thing. Yeah, um, but he's working. But he's working he he's as he does working. it. So that he's changes. That changes you know? the whole. Yeah, he's actually busting. Air. He's actually going to shops and he's teaching. But he's also te- he's teaching workshops. He's also te- teaching design stuff. But he's also he's also teaching printers and shops how to how to use the, the presses better or techniques
0: and sharing. But he's also printing stuff. You know, he's also creating. Well, that's you know? probably the best case scenario because you're traveling, but you're also working at the same time. Well. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to go on too long about this because I want our listeners to hear the people well, we talk to. About and, and
1: and we asked a bunch of people, and I, I don't even know how many it's going to end up
0: being. It's like eight or ten, or eight or ten people. I think maybe it's good. We have on this. I don't know something like that. I am not sure of the exact number. Okay. Even though I kind of put them together. Already. The
1: question we ask is: Should poets have day jobs? Here you go. Do you think poets should have day jobs?
2: Um, you know, so, okay, so, you know, here's a, <laughs> this, this is a good, this is a funny thing, uh, because uh, last year at the, at the, at the uh, poetry festival, New Orleans Poetry Festival, I did a, a panel called Your Day Job, Right. <laughs> and, and, um, and this was built out of the fact that you have to guys have to remember, I was for 31 years, I taught at Eugene line college at the new school, right? I retired in 2016, essentially to move down to Oaxaca. And, um, and, and, you know, I, I don't want to go into all the details, but one of the funny things, actually, one of the funny things that happened was this past October, early November, I received an email from the provost at the university, noting that the board of trustees had promoted me. I retired a year <laughs> earlier. They promoted me to emeritus professor, effective June the year before, which was kind of cool. Yeah, right. I, I kind of like that, you know. I, and they, you know, they had to make me a full professor in order to do that because I was only an associate professor when I retired. Oh, okay. And I was like wondering, man, do I get any money for this? Like, <laughs> but no, no, just a okay. title. But. I, just yes, just the title, but it, it it helps, you know. It's like it looks cool. But one of the things that that I also used to do is I did a lot of work in, in, in from, gosh, until like the mid two thousands. I did a lot of work in the New York City public schools and in other public schools around the tri state area in, in in New York and you know in, in Connecticut and New Jersey and and on Long Island. And um, one time I was in a school in Westchester County. This wonderful. What really wonderful school that that turned its its Fridays over to the arts they brought in poets and painters and dancers and musicians and playwrights mm. and 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 all you know and all kinds of artists and the kids would sign up for like an eight week period um to study w- you know, they they had two semesters, two eight-week semesters, and for one week they would study with a painter or a poet, and another, and then another eight weeks they would study with someone else. So there was this whole like really cool thing, and and this started with with the kids when they were in um, second grade. So second and third grade, second grade, first rather first grade, first and second grade, third and fourth grade. No, I'm getting this all wrong. It was kindergarten, first grade, second and third grade, and fourth and fifth grade. The, the school went to fifth grade, and. So the kids spent every Friday devoted to, you know, the arts. Yeah. That's it, was great. Amazing, it was it was really an amazing program. And I taught in this program for a number of years. And one day um I'm in the main office of the of the school. And I I'd been teaching there for a long time. I also did other consulting work for them in the and the school district. And so I'm in the, the main office and I'm just I'm hanging out and talking to some of the folks there. and and, and I walk out and I see the father of one of my, of one of the students who worked with me and she hadn't been in, in her studio, they called them studios. She hadn't been in our, our poetry studio that morning. And I, and I said to him, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry. She wasn't there today because, you know, she just, you know, you know, you just like, is a wonderful poet and it's really wonderful to have her around. And this guy, and it's, I don't know if it's important to note that he's a doctor, <laughs> right? He says, he turns to me and he says, yeah, she just loves poetry. And I said, that's so cool. And, he, turned, and then he said, but don't quit your day job. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he walked away. And I, and I looked at and I looked and I'm staring at him. I was just like dumbfounded. And this second grade teacher, Mary McCarthy, who, is, who I worked with for a number of years, she's like watching him too. Because uh, she, she had heard the conversation. And she turned and looked at me and she said, but this is your day job. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, should poets have day jobs? I think poetry is our day job. I think that you know we just figure out other ways to support ourselves, right? Sometimes it's the academic route, sometimes it's you know it's it's I know folks who are poets, wonderful poets who are social workers and you know, I don't know lawyers, doctors, I mean they're just like everybody's doing it. You know, how, how do you make money? Yeah, to, you know, I think the acad, academia is like is becoming over. Yeah, right it's drying now. up a little bit.
1: I know, but do you th- really think
2: that there's like a way that you can should be able to fully support yourself on poetry? You know, Octavio Paz says he notes he said in in the, I think it's in Labyrinth of Solitude or maybe it's someplace else. Oh, it's in um no, it's not in Labyrinth of Solitude*. It's in this book, this, this sort of funny biography that Elena Poniatowska, this marvelous um, Mexican journalist essayist, she writes this book about about Paz. She was she knew him as a, when she was younger and he was older. She got to know him, and and she's still alive. She's in her mid eighties. Um, she still writes a weekly column for one of the major kind of left-wing dailies out of Mexico City. And she wrote so she wrote this this sort of like reflection on biography of of Octavio Paz. And Octavio Paz says to her, you know what we do in Mexico to prevent writers, you know, young poets from writing? He said, he said, when they publish their first book and then their second book, and it's so good, the government decides to support them by giving them a job. Right. And they never write again. Because they get so caught up in, in their, their government work, right? Which is often, you know, doing work like where they'll go and they'll become they'll sort of work in the Ministry of Culture. You know, they'll like do all this <laughs> stuff to sort of like improve the lives of other people. And they end up like silencing or not silencing themselves, but they get so caught up that they, they don't write online. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, what's the best way for poets to be I mean many years ago so here's a, a, a like like to just throw this out i had i had a a, a two year NEA grant right it was a collaborative grant i was working with a musician and we were doing a a uh a, a mini opera or something based on uh, the temptations of san anthony um flaubert's uh, temptations and and so which was just crazy and wild, but we had this grant and and I went to uh, our and, and, and as our as our grant was winding down, I contacted our like the person who was our, you know, whatever, like our you know, our, our agent or whatever <laughs> within the NEA and I said, Hey, you know, we'd like to renew this. Can we do that? And he's like, Yeah, no problem. You guys are doing great. You know, we love what you're doing. And then I got invited down to Nicaragua for the Rubén Dario Poetry Festival to read and it. it was you know i was like i was i was one of them i mean who are the other poets ann waldman was a poet sonia sanchez was a poet gil ott who i loved who you know who um used to run the painted bride art center yeah, in Philadelphia. Yeah. so sonia sanchez gil lamont steptoe um tom mcgrath the great tom mcgrath who had just won um the shelley prize like the the, the big shelley prize so we were like this this group of poets we went down we gave a bunch of readings it was like we got rock star treatment and yet you know one day i was crossing like i was walking around managua and i was crossing the street and i was like and i asked someone for directions and she said and she told me where to go and she said oh, what are you here for and i said oh i'm a poet i'm part of this the dario festival and she said oh really she was carrying water right she has two buckets of water and a baby right and um and she put the the buckets down and she said i write poetry too and she took out a she had <laughs> poems in her because because nicaragua with ernesto Cardenal and Myra jimenez who is this wonderful poet from venezuela who was working inside the country doing um they were t- they were doing literacy work they were teaching t- people to read and write poetry by teaching them t- teaching them to read and write by teaching them to read and write poetry and they were and they published like tons like they were poetry from the armed. i have all these books poetry from the armed forces poetry from old people poetry from young people they published all these people's poems and Mm. i just and i got to actually i i ernesto started set it up that i got to attend one of these workshops and and i'm and it was fascinating all these people like you know these old people these young people they're all sitting around right reading their poetry and and this woman is there and she's like and everyone's talking compañera mayra compañera Mayra and afterwards after the work Eres, eres Mayra Jimenez, no? Like are, you're you're Mayra Jimenez, like the great poet. And she said, "Who I've translated, I I, I should add." Um, and she said, "Yeah, yeah." I, I, and we got to talking, and she said, "Oh, you should come to Costa Rica and see what I'm doing there," which I ended up doing at a certain point. Um, but it was just this sort of phenomenal thing. The reason I'm bringing this up is I go to I go to Monago, I go to Nicaragua. We give all these readings. We're reading in libraries and stadiums and this and that. Get back. United States, and a short time afterwards, get a letter of rejection from the NEA, saying you're not getting, you know, you're not getting your a renewal on your NEA, and I, and you have to remember this is the you know this is the 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 Reagan eighties. This is the time of, of you know Con- the Contras. The U.S. government has an embassy in Managua, but we're supporting the Contras who are trying to mm-hmm. you know oppose you know we're trying to we're at war with the Sandinistas who are running the government. And it's like. I got rejected. Wait. And I called up this guy at the NEA and I said, why did we get rejected? You know, I don't understand. He said, Mark, you should never have gone to Nicaragua. <laughs> wow. I was like, and that's the last time I ever applied for a government grant. Because if the government has that much, if they're going to, like, if that's like, if you're, like, if they're going to say, there we're much not
0: scrutiny. you
2: yeah yeah and, and you know you're not getting grants. It's got nothing to do with who you are as an artist. you know you went to Nicaragua, you know it's like, you know so like how much so so your day job, how much should the government do? Like do you want the government to support you? Should the government, you know, I mean, I mean, Paz says, how do you stop a poet from writing? Give him a job. How do you stop? How do you stop a poet from writing? You know, don't give him a grant. You know if his politics go against the government's politics, how do you stop a poet from writing? you know how do you silence a poet? So I don't know is it should there should there be money in poetry is a better question?
0: Yeah, I don't know about that
2: <laughs> right? I mean, one of the things that we're lucky is that you know no one pays enough attention to us to say, you know, um your next book, you know. You know, or your last book didn't do as well as the previous book. Therefore, we're dropping you, right? I mean, that doesn't happen very often.
0: Yeah, it's already a bygone conclusion that no poetry books are going to make much money,
2: (laughs) unless listen, unless you were unless you were Allen Ginsberg, right? Or unless you were John Ashbery. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many poets made money? Now we can make money from readings right you yeah. can make money from that kind of thing which is you know and and then you sell a few books but god no i mean it just i remember once i got i was i was um i gave a reading at fordham university and they gave me 2000 dollars right and and i i i don't know how i like i was in like 2000 so i was 42 years old I'd never been given that much money for a reading before <laughs> and um, and I was talking to Kenneth Koch who was my father-in-law who, who was my father-in-law and would still be were he alive um, and I said he asked me how much I got for this reading at Fordham I read for 15 minutes I mean, <laughs> it was like not a big read a long reading and maybe 20 and I said oh yeah they gave me $2,000 and he looked at me stunned he said I never got that kind of money when I was your age <laughs> <laughs> It's one of our great <laughs> poets I was like well what do you, what do you want me to do give it back <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. should you be a
1: poet should being a poet be able to support you mm-hmm. in your life mm-hmm. through your in your finances and not just your creative pursuits but also your finances mm-hmm. be able to move you through or or should it be a thing that you do out of just the love for the word mm-hmm. and be, and have your day job mm-hmm. You know, we know the history of, like, Wallace Stevens, insurance salesman. Uh, You know, we have uh, William Cross Williams was an obstetrician. Like, these guys all had their thing, and then they do the poetry on the side. Some of the most famous poets in history Mm -hmm. had a thing, Mm -hmm. you know, that they did. Yeah. Anything out of that, you know?
0: No, I guess, yeah. Some people, you know, but you've got people who think you're not devoting yourself enough to it or something. I mean, I've always had a day job, so I'm, uh... (laughs) But I do think there's some controversy about it. Some people think you can't
1: be uh, fully invested or something. If you're what do you think better. in the cultural economic climate? What culture you- and economy. Right? Well, culture and economy. What do you think? <laughs> well, like We're my, at your day job with you. Well, see, like the,
3: I got this day job by being a full-time poet. You know, like I sat in this courtyard and wrote poetry for the owner. And he was like, hey, man, if you ever want to set up and write, you can write. Uh, but like being an American and like knowing about economy and capital- capitalization, I have to have like different uh, funnels of money coming in, right? Because certain things, certain things have to be paid for by certain jobs, right? I don't feel right having poetry pay for my light bill, but I can do that if I wanted to, right? So it's like, well, Cubs, what do you want your poetry to pay for? I want my poetry to pay for. Everything else that I, w- I was not taught to have a job for, right? You need a job to pay rent. You need a job to have a family. You need a job to do these things. And that makes sense. But being that I don't even like to work, I had to justify my life. And that was through poetry. So, like, poetry, poetry, poetry. And then I got to a point, being American and being brought up in this economy, you can do both, right? You can have a job and call it poetry. Or you can make poetry a job, right? So now I, I, you know, I get hired to write. But you know, I oversee those jobs. You know, it's just there is a line, but people try to justify that line by saying, "Oh, you can only be a poet and what?" You know, you you could be a poet and not have a living. You know, you can be a poet and um, be a copywriter. You know, like there are so many different funnels, and to justify it makes no sense. That's just argument. That's just like a conversation. Like my life is poetry, Um, and cool that I'm able to make a living. From poetry and that's where I draw the line. Like I don't I I don't try to justify how I make a money or how I make money. How I make money or how to like divide being a poet and then being whatever else, you know. If that answers it's it's very complex, you know, it's you like think, uh, it's no answer, yeah, it's, it's a discussion. It's no, a no, discussion, you know, that's no, that's not, why we're here. There, there's no right or wrong. I mean that's not
0: even a conversation poetry. Do you have. think it like helps? I mean I kinda do. To, to have a day job, get material to have a day job to feel like a little more connected with the with with you know what pe- people, everyone else is doing. Well, yeah, you know, we day cat- day we day day categorize day day things. Day <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, what do you do
3: for a living? That's like the first question we ask. And if I say, which is like such a bullshit question, it is, it it is, is, is cause cause if you ask a girl that, you're already you don't even shouldn't be hanging out with her. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but like to have a day job is structure. You know, hey, clock in, clock out. It's good to have that. I mean, most artists have anybody has a job. I mean, when you're in high school, in elementary school, you have a job. So, I mean, at the crux of like being, you have to have a job. And if you're taught early on to get a job, to learn about work ethic, it's great. But then you get to a point in life where you're like, whoa, am I my job? You know, am I am I working just to work? It's the same conversation everybody has. Artists. Am I making art for the sake of art or am I, am I making art to live? Whatever. But like, poetry I think is so complex. It's because we deal with words, you know, and like, from a day-to-day basis, if I ask you, you know, a certain question, and as a poet, I'm listening to your tone, I'm listening to your your word choice, and like the balance you have. I mean, it's a tough question. It's a tough question. Day job, poetry, it all. I mean, I sat out on the street and made a and made a living. You've done poetry, it. You've, yes. you've done it. Yeah. We yeah. But then what? You know. So I try
1: not to think. I mean, so like, what else is the, the thing? Did like you the, when when you were when yeah, you were I, doing that? Yeah. yeah. And you were just writing and making the dough in the mm-hmm. scratch. Mm-hmm. Did you feel a little pressure to make? To did you feel like the the pressure that implied was implied applied to you writing every day to make to pay your bill?
3: Well, I set up my life first, and then I, and then I went out and wrote. Like I, I set up like like I set up things your situation. Yeah, and then I was like, okay. I I woke up in my parents' basement as a, as a senior in college, and was like, yo, what are you going to do with your life? And poetry came to mind, so. I built a life after figuring out how to truly assess who I am, right? And it was like going out on the street, taking dollars from people just to see if there was monetary value in me being a poet, right? Some people give me a dollar. I was like, "Oh, well, cool, cool. Money, they see value in somebody reciting poetry about... A, do you like poetry? That was the poem I would recite to people. Hey, do you like poetry? And then I was like, okay, cool. Now, I know how people's mind work. They want something to take away from this experience. They don't just want eye connection, listening, and then that's enough. No, they want, like, a poem. So, oh, how do you do that? Grab a typewriter, you know, and write them a poem and give it to them. So now it's a little more of a balance, a little more of an exchange. And I did that for, like, five years, and then it was, like, figuring out how to make enough money to the point where I don't need – I,
0: I wouldn't need a day job,
3: you know? Do you didn't find
0: any – what is the difference between – having your poetry separate from one aspect as connected to it directly, is there a difference in what that does and how you approach poetry?
1: I mean, it can. Like, if you take the it economic can. and split it, and you know, and, mm-hmm. and you're just doing poetry for poetry mm-hmm. for what it is.
3: Well, I mean, you always, that's, the, that's what I was trying to say, that's always the basis of, like, I'm doing it because I know what it is. I am I am poetry. And then it's like, When you tap into that, people see value. You know, like if you go out there and say, hey, I'm going to write you a $5 poem, people are going to treat you like a $5 poet. But before that, I just want to write you. I do you like poetry.
4: Should poets have day jobs? I mean, that seems like a privileged question. Like, some people have to have day jobs. It doesn't seem like that's a choice for a lot of people. Well, yeah. You mean like as I opposed agree. to a night job? Should they have a well, night no, job instead? I, mean, I think some
0: people would feel like I, I mean I'm not saying this I'm saying some people would say like you should just live in filth and You should? Rather than have a, rather than have a day job because it would affect your
4: Your art? Yeah Yeah. no I don't buy that I think that's <laughs> bullshit I think I think you can do all kind of things and it doesn't affect your art if you're dedicated to doing your art it really shouldn't matter the other things that you need to do to survive
1: but I do think that there's a younger cadre of of younger poets that I say younger poets because I can't think of too many older poets who are living this dream or living in this way but well, I do think that there are some people in our circle... I can think of some
0: older poets I, I can who think believe of, with that. Yeah. But uh, they're not going to bolster that argument very much, mostly.
1: I think, da- I think Danny once had an attitude like that, a little bit, like, you know, <laughs> about, like, full-time poet kind of attitude, you know? Like where he you know he worked and he made money and he did things but he was like living his life you know
4: but that's like saying like oh when i'm not working i'm not a poet just because i'm not at the desk writing that's like saying okay well maybe poets shouldn't go out and socialize because you should be writing poetry all the time you shouldn't drink because when you're drunk you're not writing poems that's the same argument basically pretty much you're a poet all the time it doesn't matter if you have a day job or you're doing other things or you're taking care of kids or whatever you're doing. Right, when you're doing your work in your head a lot of the time, all the time. I am. Right, anyway. but
1: I think that there's still some people. I think that there's some young people out there now who specifically are 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 maybe trying to live their life around some some sort of like new ideal or like they're trying to cut cut a new path in, in this.
4: Really, time. or are they just no jobs?
1: <laughs> right. Or well, that's. A talk, all, yeah, mean, okay, or so so you're conference. talking
4: about there was like a wave of, of jobs in, in academia for people who became poets. You got your MFA, and then the idea was that you'd go into academia and you'd, you'd get your you know your tenure and you'd be set, and then you could you could be a poet that way. And that's gone. Yeah, that doesn't. really So exist. what else is there? And now there's not any full time jobs left. Everything's part time jobs. So. You know, you're just, pu- you're just putting stuff together anyway. You're trying to, like, piecemeal together some kind of survivalship anyway. Well, I don't know anyone who survives on just being a poet. Very well. Very, well. very well. That's true. Um, I don't really feel like... Su- I feel like suffering is worthless, so why think- suffer in order to make art? I don't think that I need to be living on the streets to make good poetry. <laughs> I think
1: there's people who claim that they live... That they, that they, that they, that they, that they make a living with poetry.
4: I don't believe that. Yeah. You know, I I think that's a very, very small percentage of the community that can make a really good living just doing poetry. No, I
0: don't think that, especially now. I mean, I think even, like, 10, 15 years ago, that was maybe a possibility for some rare people, but...
4: I think, no, I mean, like- I think structure is good for poets too. I think it's good for you to do other things now. I mean, no, it depends on the kind not. of job that you're doing. I think in academia, you have the luxury of maybe teaching writing and reading and, and being surrounded with thinking. And I think that's kind of ideal for poets to think in a certain way. But then there's also the downside of that, which is like you're just grading papers and you're kind of doing mind numbing tasks all the time. But I think it's good for poets. I've always had jobs that have no stress. Like I don't think you're going to be a good brain surgeon and maybe a poet at the same time because that's such a high... Maybe you could, but it just seems like incredibly high stressful jobs that take up a ton of energy might not be the ideal. But just jobs that are not super stressful, that help you pay the bills so you can actually relax enough to write poems, that seems kind of like a happy medium.
0: Yeah, I don't know, yeah. I I mean, there's plenty of examples of poets with pretty intense jobs,
4: I guess. I mean, from a Buddhist perspective, you should work. It's part of what we do. It's part of, like... Well, the existence wanna, oh, like, of being human, like you go in and you do your task and you do your job. and
0: What are you writing about if you don't have a job? Like, what are
4: you writing about? I
0: mean, I feel like, you know, I mean, certainly you can have experiences without having a job, but I feel like people tend to not...
4: I don't know that my job influences my writing at all.
0: You know, well, I don't mean directly, but you don't think like, you don't think some things come out of that, you know, like...
4: No, not at not all. Not at all, no. Not one not tiny all, no. bit. Not at all. Indirectly. But I do think that the compression of time forces you to be more structured. Well, Once I had yeah, three kids, sure, yeah. my volume of production went way up, actually. People were like, how do you write? You have three kids. And it's because you get very, very structured about your writing. It I becomes. Use time oh I man, have. oh man, and you, and then you do a lot of it off the page. Like you're constantly thinking and structuring and doing. You're thinking in your mind all the time about what you're going to do when you have that time. Yeah. You use it very well. I've never gone on a writing retreat. I've never gone on some kind of writing residency because I think if I had a ton of unstructured time to just write, I can tell you right now I would sit there like a big old lump, but nothing. I'd probably meditate the whole time and just big like lump nothing. become totally enlightened and no longer need to be a poet should be another kind of win. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I... I always feel like I'm being really productive when I have a day off, and I'm, I'm not, usually. But I'm also usually exhausted because I do too much stuff.
0: Well, I think it's kind of nice as a poet to have a job, too, because you're kind of like a spy. Oh, it is, right? You're like... <laughs> it's kind of like, well, not... You know, like, you've got this 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 kind of world that to some extent is always foreign to you, right? And you're somewhat buying
4: it. I guess it depends on the job. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Have any
0: job I've ever <laughs> had. <laughs> any job oh you've
4: ever God. had. I mean, I have a job <laughs> where I just don't think. So that it's very, I don't have to use my brain very much. And then when I get to a space where I'm going to write, then suddenly it's like it's all rested. That part of my brain's all rested because it has to, have to think very hard all day. And it's ready, it's ready to go. And it's, I've always had no stress jobs. You know, I've always been selling products that it doesn't really matter.
0: But isn't that like in some weird way, like kind of fascinating? Because you're dealing with people whose way of thinking is so different. That's what I mean by being a spy. I mean, I I find
4: like dating to be more relative to what you're saying in that way. I feel like a spy dating (laughs) because I date, I don't date other writers. I date people totally who are not artists. And then I feel like a spy because I'm like, you don't make anything? What is that like? Oh my gosh. You just, work and make money and how do you exist as I mean to me that's being a spy cuz it's just it's fascinating oh, to yeah. me it's like how does that work <laughs> okay and that definitely goes into my writing those kind of relationships yeah but I don't think I've ever written about work or anything that's come from work
1: uh yeah I mean I would agree because I was like trapped in a jail for like 5 years <laughs> teaching at a community college here in New Orleans and I I I, I really I really feel like I'm just getting back from like that time of my life, and I mean, I know you're a teacher too, Joseph, but there was a certain thing that was going on when I was teaching at Delgado that was like, you know, and like where reading 500 papers a semester, and and people think I'm exaggerating, but I'm 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 not. No, no teacher thinks
4: you're exaggerating. (laughs) No teacher thinks you're exaggerating.
1: you know, you have, you have 100 students, each student's writing, you know, at least five uh, papers a semester, and, you know, so you've got, you start with 125 students, and then you have 100, you know, you have 100 students at by midterm, and you're still grading, you know, you're grading at least five papers per student, and you might be grading three smaller papers in a research paper. And, you know, you're you're, you're reading so much work on a regular basis, like, teaching that many classes and and interacting with that many students that just, like, sometimes, a lot of times, I just, like, didn't have anything left in me at all to do much reading or writing. Like, my mind, that space in my mind was, like, just taken up. I
4: understand.
1: I tried to, like, keep a regular reading, like, poetry at least, but it was so hard for me.
0: But I and think teaching writing comp is probably the worst for writing while you're doing it. It makes, makes me I, think. I, I really depressed. I taught writing
4: for one year, and I didn't write <laughs> at all that year. It, it actually it makes me overwhelming.
0: really depressed thinking
1: about it, <laughs> because, like, it really um, does. It really, really does, because it was like...
0: Unless you're trying to, like, collect a book of the most insane things anyone says in a paper... You well, know, it I might be good for that. I went in. I went <laughs> I, well. I went into the experience
1: thinking that's what I was going to do. I went into teaching college thinking that's what I was going to do, and then you get. You know, I started teaching when I was like 27. Was uh, my first adjunct gig, and I was like just coming off of this like three summers abroad, and you know, like this whole traveling for three years and all this stuff, and and then like. I went I got into it and I realized I was like whoa like I'm being asked to do like some pretty basic teaching here that's yeah. like pretty self effacing and you know like you have to really learn how to tell somebody that they're using the wrong
0: part of speech or like I mean
1: Well I mean, it's it it a
0: somewhat ineffective way of doing it really. Uh, like to expect that you have people coming in who their their level of using language is, is pretty low in that by writing a bunch of essays after two courses that they're somehow gonna come out and be able to write Well the
1: depressing <laughs> part of it, I mean the thing that gets me depressed about <laughs> thinking about it really is like is just like how much when you're reading that type of work, how much it affects your it just how much it affects your brain how much it affects your mind even though you're just reading it and grading it it's still affecting you by reading this like really
4: well that makes sense because if you're reading really great poetry to inspire you to write then you've already trained your brain to absorb a certain amount of written material in order to inspire you and then you start filling it with things that are uninspiring Right, well, <laughs> it's kind of like your brain's like wait what
1: so what happens when
0: you're tripping your brain out and you're just reading things that are just totally uninspiring? Well, yeah, I mean, I think part of that's a matter of perspective, right? Like, if you think of, like, I mean, you could easily transform that into some, like, like, I think of, like, one of the best George Saunders stories I ever read. That's, I mean, he's not always great, but when he's good, he's good. His The whole story is written in the style of, like, how a college kid thinks. And it's amazing, but he like turns it into poetry, yeah, because of like is it using poetry, that. Or is it like, story? No, it's a story. It's a short story, and it's like a science fiction story about this world where basically kids are paid by advertisers to live in this town and just like use these use these products. Yeah, but stories are different um, than
4: poems, you know. I mean, you could get ideas, but it's like if you're reading for. If you, or the way I read poetry is to, like, be inspired by the actual lines and the rhythm. No, but it's that's like what I'm lines. saying.
0: This story, it's not about the concept. I don't actually think the concept is that great. It's, like, the way that he uses that kind of, like, empty speech and turns it into, like, a poetic thing. hmm I mean, I'm not saying... I don't know. I feel like... But, yeah, but I know what you're saying. Like, at the same time, it's, like, when you're reading it, it's hard to think of it that way. You're, like... Why does every single paper start with essentially a variation of one of three sentences? Yeah. It's, it's like amazing. It kind of is really depressing about you forget like how conformist things are because you're not around people like that all the time. And you're like, really? Like, I don't expect this all to be good, but you're literally all starting. There's like three ways that people start a paper in a college writing course, right? True. There's like three sentences they can start with essentially, and it's kind of amazing how consistent that is. You're just like, what the hell? Like,
4: what's a form? It's like a formal form. <laughs> it's very formal. It's <laughs> <laughs>
0: the form. Well,
1: it's super formal, and it's and it's and it's like almost so formal that it takes us out of like our natural instincts as a as a human being, like this sort of like emotive or this just, I don't know, there's like nothing like being a foreign country and disassociating yourself, you know, like being in a place where you're walking down the street and you can't really understand the signs and read the signs and like, your mind just takes on like, after after being in an environment like that for a few days, a few hours, a few days, whatever, your mind just like, I mean, for me, it's it's almost instantaneous when I'm in a new place and I'm like walking through a town and like looking at the graffiti and trying to make out what the signs are and Wanting to like walk through the town and like taste a little bit of the fruit and drink a little bit of the strange drink and, and smoke a little of the strange smoke and 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 getting into that space, it's like this. You fall, you can fall in this natural rhythms of of um, of or the like the natural uh, textures of a of a place, you know. But I think like the academic writing on that level, we're getting into a whole different topic here. But academic writing on that low that level, like it really just like. It just, like, it formalizes thought in a way that's like, oh, it makes me sick. think s- poets should it
4: quit. it. I think poets think should about. quit their oh! jobs a lot instead of just having day jobs. They should probably <laughs> quit their jobs a lot. <laughs> it's not that they shouldn't have jobs. It's just that they shouldn't stay in jobs for long periods of time. Yeah, Because you should have jobs. You should work. You should have structure. But then you should feel free to quit your job and, and take a risk on your writing and your art and do different things. I think poets just need a lot of stimuli. And it's harder for poets to just kind of be in the same rut doing the same thing. You know, especially if you stick to kind of like low level jobs. Well, I think if you're (laughs) an artist though and you're taking a job that's already kind of a low level, like not strenuous job, so you're not really indebted into it anyway. It's not, not you're not passionate about it.
0: Not losing much by quitting. Yeah. I (laughs) mean, I think that's
4: the best way to go. So you you take these jobs that you know you're not going to feel like married to in any way. You work to make money and then you know you after a while you move on and you take some yeah. time off you do some writing and then you get another one and then you learn something from that job and then you move on you do something else and it seems like the best way for poets to exist back
1: totem
0: okay. <laughs> right? isn't that what I the whole book is yeah i don't know it just goes from wanna, job uh, to job to job to job i don't know if- you want to emulate because it seems
4: like a myth, though. But then it seems like a part of the myth, though. It's like the same mythos of like the poet alone in their room, you Although know. He went
0: back to the post office a lot of times, right? He kept somehow quitting and going back to the post yeah. office. Well, then yeah, you don't that even book. know how you do that. Well, then Normally he wrote that book right? <laughs> I like that so much
4: but i mean the idea that you have to like not have a job and be really poor and and suffering know, in order to write poetry is like a romanticized ideal in a lot of ways right yeah,
1: yeah i think i think again we're coming back to korek every one time Kirk's like you're too fat to be a poet i
0: was like what are you talking wow. about
4: said, you should be starving <laughs> the starving artist you be such star- a cliche Man,
0: skinny. coming from korek too i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but, but
4: then that's that sets in like if you're in survival mode i mean what that's going to affect the way you write that's going to affect your art if you're in a state of like i don't know where i'm going to get my next meal i don't know where i'm going to sleep tonight how can you have the space for art when you're trying to survive and if you do it's definitely going to affect the work that you put out because well, you're you're yes. you're an animal in a state of survival i
0: think sometimes that could be great but it's not a sustainable thing like yeah. you can do that Sometimes that can result, I think, in some really great work where it is kind of desperate, but you can't couldn't do that and continue writing for more than a few years like that. Yeah. Think. Like at some point you need to be in a situation where you're not constantly
4: and also, I think of the people that we know who've lived like that. It's like, what happens to their work, you know? Because when you're transient like that, it's like so much stuff gets yeah, lost. It just disappears. Yeah. You know, not no everyone's ever going to have like again. an no Everett Maddox again. file, you it know, in an like archive that, somewhere yeah. with their bar what napkins. To that guy's yeah.
0: Poems? Like, did anyone?
4: Did anyone, did get, anyone get them? Did anyone Where did they, they go? It? Yeah. Remember a lot I'm of like stuff gets lost.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Well. Yeah. I don't know.
1: I mean, that's sad. So <laughs> get a job so
4: that you can have a laptop and organize your poems. That's okay. that's what we learned today, kids.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, it's probably, yeah, I mean, computers have probably made that to some extent better, right?
4: You know, but if you don't have a job and you don't have yeah. to live, you're not going to have that. The Internet's s- made
0: it better, right? Yeah. I think of even, like... Just post Old. all that
4: shit on I Facebook. I lost they are. a lot of my earlier
0: work that even was on computer because those formats just don't exist. So I don't yeah. have no way of floppy disks. Yeah, like get it, yeah, getting <laughs> on the disks <laughs> getting the poems back off again. Like, those are just lost in it's, time. It's
4: probably okay. It's probably, it's probably, probably okay,
1: okay,
4: okay to lose yeah, some yeah. It's stuff. It's probably good. Anyways,
0: truck disappeared,
1: right? Yeah. On the way, like, some sort In of his taxi, ride. huh? It like I thought he was in a taxi. And it just disappeared. It was on a train trip or something. A train trip. You know, it was, like, all his early writing. So it was, like, supposedly disappeared.
0: Yeah, I I think think that's been somewhat debunked. Really? Yeah. But, an interesting story. You think you just got rid of it? But it's, like, it's, like, which maybe is true. It's, like, the Velvet Underground, right? You know, like, all their early stuff. They had, like, detuned all their instruments in these special ways. And, of course, they didn't notate any of it. And they all their instruments got stolen on some trip they were on, so then they had to just completely change how their music sounded because it was like—is that true? because
4: yeah. <laughs> they were like, oh, <laughs> "We don't know how to
0: do that again. We don't know how to tune our instruments, and retune them to those weird yeah thing that we did <laughs> with them all." <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I don't know. Any last thoughts on poets with day jobs? Because that's—I mean—is it uh, worse
4: when poets have, have tons of money though? If You have tons of money. Does that affect your poetry? What if you get a really great job and you're flush with money?
0: I've I i can not think of a single example of a poet where that happened and they continued to write good poetry. Wallace mm-hmm. Stevens was he flush with money? I mean, he was comfortable. Yeah, I don't think he was like flush with money. I can't think of an example. Of do you know
1: Do you know the you know? Do you know the story of a uh, millionaire playboy? the the poet in the 1920s this guy who uh maybe i should keep that segue that for the poet how do you you
0: feel about his poetry i'm gonna i'm gonna just go from the fact that he's called millionaire playboy and it's probably (laughs) no it's a book it's a famous book i have it on the shelf over here (laughs) all right well you can use that for your poets if you want i don't know is this a poet people should know about yeah yeah
4: yeah, that sounds so convincing (laughs) yeah
5: this kind of goes back into what we've been talking about all along in terms of the value of, of arts and as opposed to the value of, uh, of other things in our society but you know at one time poets musicians all the best poets and musicians and, and sculptors and they were all sanctioned by the king you know and actually the country we live in the United States was the first country uh, where poets and, and musicians and everybody were on their own that, that you know the government yeah, the king yeah. and, and everyone said okay well you know you can do that but but you know it's you're not sanctioned by the crown anymore. <laughs> you know you can do whatever you want but the crown doesn't have anything to do with it it used to be you know you know that's why we have beethoven and mozart is that the king said oh there's a kid who's really talented we're going to go give him anything he wants for the rest of his life as long as he creates stuff for the king and one of the things i think it's done in our country is it's freed us a lot. Uh, And and a lot of what you see uh, come out that's so innovative about American art and American culture is because it it was out from under sort of the heel of the government. But it's also constrained us a lot because in countries where the arts are supported by the establishment, uh, the artists have such vast amounts of resources that they can create a lot more fine things lot finer things a lot better things a lot more aesthetically pleasing a lot sure you know a lot higher quality things because they don't have to have day jobs um personally I, I think that poets should be able poets and writers should be able to make a living doing what they love I, I really think everyone should be. and I think that everyone could I think a lot of people who don't are it's almost self-imposed, that they don't believe in themselves enough to take a risk or to really put their uh, creativity out there to a point where they can make a living from it. I know for many years, I sort of hoarded my creativity. I would sit and play songs on my couch, and my friends would come over and I'd say, hey, listen to this song. It wasn't until I met someone and they, they said, hey, you know, it's not art if you're not sharing it. Uh, and that sort of really lit a fire under me. That, you know art is an interactive thing that happens between you and the audience, the people that you are with at the time. you know it's, like it's kind of our duty as artists to sort of express the time that we live in. so I think art's going to be around art poetry's going to be around whether or not poets have day jobs um I think that it I think not not being supplemented by the state, if you will, as poets. To where we have to have day jobs. I think it, it creates a situation where the poetry is a little more raw and a little more real than if we were just sort of on the dole sitting around,
1: you know, you know,
5: eating you, grapes uh, and a, writing graphs. Do you think it's possible to
1: do that though? Do you think it's possible to like exist in a world where your your entire thing is just poetry? It's just like making poetry, printing poetry, selling poetry, you know, typing uh-huh. poetry, doing thing?
5: Yeah, I mean, it all depends on I mean, you can get real creative with uses for poetry. I mean, you know, ad agencies need poets. You know, <laughs> you know. You know the, the, I think that if you, if some you of my friends up at focus uh, so enough my... on your creativity that 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 you should be able to you know stick with it and, and eventually transition away from. And this is sort of what I'm trying to do right now with my own art is transition away from my day job towards doing artistic things all the time. All the time. And, and you know, I, I think that do I think poets should have day jobs until they can afford to by making enough money off poetry? <laughs> yeah, I mean they, they they're gonna need one.
0: All right you so know? so does so it seems like what you're saying is the you don't need a day job in perpetuity mm-hmm. but maybe you do for a while to get that experience to be able to inform what you're doing well not only the experience to inform what you're doing but
5: in our society just to live you know for the most of us well, well yeah until you to get, to get <laughs> you <laughs> know you need to pay <laughs> some rent but it, i think if you if you keep practicing your craft honestly that eventually i've seen it happen to my friends that people are going to take notice and and you're going to start achieving success in your area one way or another if you just keep doing it um, I, sometimes you have to be a little bit Maniacal about it I have a friend <laughs> who's trying to become a successful songwriter I And mean, he feels like he's not a successful songwriter I, I mean, He's got like Eight albums out, I think he's a great songwriter <laughs> This year, he took it upon himself He's going to write a thousand songs Whatever, in that's, that's He's insane. already written 99 songs So that's like An average of four songs a day or something He's written 99 in the month of January January. <laughs> no no way, that's like 10 songs a day
0: Three hundred and fifty-six times. What? How do you get to a thousand? Well,
1: he's gonna. He's got oh, three songs a day. I was saying like three, three to four a songs a day. Yeah, you got to. And do he's four already. Sometimes. He's
5: already got a head start. He's already got a head start. But but you <laughs> know, he also has a job. He works a day job as a tutor. You know, it, we're finding ways to be creative, even though course, King's not giving us money to be poets. I think think King's not giving us money. I think the day jobs are... are hear ye,
1: hear ye. The king is no longer giving ye money to be poets. <laughs>
5: exactly. Exactly. Oh!
1: Disperse the crowd. Hey, we're being repressed. We're being repressed. Disperse the crowd. You are no longer... Are we no longer need your services. Disperse the crowd. Here is some bread. <laughs> you throw on a truckload of bread.
5: You know, like... Well, uh, yeah, and, and it, it's yeah. also a matter, you know. I guess success as a poet is a little mercurial too, because one person's success is another person's failure. You know, I mean, I I, I have a piece published in the Maple Leaf Rag. For me, that was a success. You know, I mean, I, it was cool. I love the Maple Leaf Poetry Reading. They published yeah, poems. Yeah. That was great. You know. Uh, that doesn't not necessarily make me a successful poet, though. It's not like Penguin just published an anthology.
0: Well, or, I don't think you could you quit know. your day job based exactly. on that alone. Exactly. And I'm never going to quit my day job based on
1: being published in the Maple Leaf Rag,
5: But I
0: don't think even if
1: you did get a pub, book published in the Penguin, you might not be able to quit. Probably it not. At probably at not.
5: <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we might know some people who have <laughs> a day job yeah. Books published in Penguin. I, I think that that by all means, poets should have day jobs because I don't think that there's a way <laughs> to make a living off of. At
1: least for otherwise.
0: the time Come being, on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do. I think there is. At least for the time being, I think there is. I think I think there could be some, you know, new type of career as a poet right now in the world, 2018. You know where you could where you could. You know, you can take one of these typewriters over here that's on the floor, and we could lay that out, and and we could pick one of those and put a new ribbon in it, and give you pull one of these drawers open and give you a stack of paper, and be like, right. here you go, kid, go out into the fucking city right now and sell all these for you know, sell all these for three bucks each, sell these, and go out and just sit and just type poems all day, or you could you'd have to
5: teach kids how to type on a manual typewriter. Well, true, <laughs> but uh, I also don't know how much money you're going to be making from that. I mean, still, there there are hustlers out there with the, with, with with typewriters,
1: uh, and then they come here. I'm just saying, though, that
0: you can come here and make books. And well, no, I mean I think you can make money off of it. I think it it I think right now, right, it'd be hard to make a living off of it. But that doesn't mean that couldn't change. Maybe that'll change. Uh, hopefully, it'll change. Hopefully, but, it'll change. Yeah. You know, could I think that one of the change. biggest
5: problems that we're facing is that people don't read anymore. That they don't. Well, yeah, it's hard reading. enough to make money off
0: of writing a nonfiction book, much less a fiction book, much less. Poetry, you know, why would someone you need know? to read? Their
5: smartphone knows everything that they could just go and look it up. You know, and and I think that that's when when I say we need to bring value back into the humanities, I mean at all levels, like kids should be taught the humanities and and be valuing uh, you know literature be valuing drama be
0: valuing oh absolutely but you know poetry. we're yeah. talking about capitalism again we'll get to there because colleges have taught them that as long as you got an A that's what matters so you don't have to think, so I,
5: think I think we're missing <laughs> i think we're missing out from a standpoint that that you know until we get our education together
0: no, I think and, you're right. And about and that start that, educating
5: yeah? people that 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 poetry has value. That that poets are always going to need be yeah. because until until kids are coming up valuing poetry and and until people are starting to to, to read books of poetry again, you know, uh, I read something around Christmas time that uh, in Iceland that one of, they have this tradition. Uh, the book where, book where they give, give each, each other and books read and read it, and, 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 and they yeah, yeah. were that people just sit in bed and drink tea and read books awesome and, and you know this is the type of thing that, that's like throughout their culture and that one day a year pretty much you know could keep a bookstore open in a small neighborhood for the whole year you know what I would
0: like to see so,
5: so they, they're building value into the humanities yeah where yeah. authors yeah. bookstores everyone can make a living from the humanities the most human thing the thing that's the most valuable about being these really smart monkeys, you know, that we are, uh, you know, that, that, that there are ways that entire industries can be built around uh, intellectual thought and poetry and and things that don't necessarily have to do oh, with destroying man. the earth, but are mined through humanity. Uh, you know
0: what I want to see? What's that? Well, I'm, I'm putting this challenge out here to our listeners. <laughs> I want to see a Mardi Gras parade in New Orleans... All your throws are reading material. Ooh, Um, I like it. That would be great. What difference does it make? People just want to get whatever you're throwing off of of there. Yeah, it would be awesome. Ooh, the crew of books. Okay, crew of books.
1: (laughs) Crew of books. B-U-X. Books. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding.
5: Sure, a literacy crew with Chad (laughs) Spelling. (laughs) Which would be perfect for (laughs) yours.